0: Hey, faithful listener, grab your cup of coffee and experience the Bible in a way you never have before. P40 Ministries is a podcast that goes through the Bible cover to cover. It's an awesome narrative that focuses your mind and prepares your heart for God to speak. So join your host, Jen, for a biblical podcast that's Hilarious, informative, imaginative, and fun. The P40 Ministries podcast. Listen now as we go through the book of Leviticus. Hello and good morning and happy Monday, friends and faithful listeners. And I, of course, am your host, Jen here, and I'm ready to discuss with you guys Leviticus chapter six, verses 14 through 23. And I'm excited to talk about this one because we just finished the Passover supper in the book of Mark just recently. And this portion here in Leviticus is talking all about the uh, grain offering and how that kind of, I would say, like translates forward into the New Testament with the Passover supper. So I'm definitely excited to talk about this with you guys today. And as I always do, I'll be reading out of W.E.B. this morning. This is the law of the meal offering. The sons of Aaron shall offer it before Yahweh before the altar. He shall take from there his handful of the fine flour of the meal offering, and of its oil and all the frankincense which is on the meal offering, and shall burn it on the altar for a pleasant aroma, as its memorial portion to Yahweh. That which is left of it, Aaron and his sons shall eat it. It shall be eaten without yeast in a holy place. They shall eat it in the court of the Ten of Meeting, and it shall not be baked with yeast. I have given it as their portion of my offerings made by fire. It is most holy, as are the sin offerings and the trespass offering. Every male among the children of Aaron shall eat of it, as their portion forever throughout your generations, from the offerings of Yahweh made by fire. Whoever touches them shall be holy. Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, this is the offering of Aaron and his sons, which they shall offer to Yahweh in the day when he is anointed one tenth of an ephah, of fine flour for a meal offering perpetually, half of it in the morning and half of it in the evening. It shall be made with oil in a griddle. When it is soaked, you shall bring it in. You shall offer the meal offering in baked pieces for a pleasant aroma to Yahweh, the anointed priest that will be in his place from among his sons shall offer it by a statute forever, it shall be wholly burned to Yahweh. Every meal offering of a priest shall be wholly burned. It shall not be eaten. So if you didn't tune into Friday's episode, I absolutely recommend it. I was on with my sister and it was a lot of fun. (laughs) She's uh, ridiculous and I just appreciate Both her humor and her joy in life. So it's really fun to do a podcast episode with my sister every once in a while. But we talked a lot about um, one of the first offerings, which we discussed, which was the uh, burnt offering. And it was basically God giving more instruction on what the burnt offering was supposed to be. Now, here in Leviticus chapter six, what we read today, God once again is giving more instruction on what the grain offering is supposed to be, which was the second offering we learned about at the very beginning of the book of Leviticus. So once again, I'm just going to throw all the offerings out there. You're going to get so sick of me naming off all of the offerings, (laughs) but they're also for my benefit. So I remember them. Okay. First was the burnt offering. That one represented full dedication to God. Second was the grain offering that represented thanksgiving to God. Third was the peace offering. The peace offering represented a communion and fellowship with God. And when you brought a peace offering, it was basically so that God would give you peace. You'd remain in God's peace and you'd have fellowship with God. The fourth offering was not an offering. It was a sacrifice. And this one was mandatory. First three weren't. This one was mandatory. That was for when you committed a sin. And then the fifth offering we learned about was the guilt offering or the trespass offering, depending on what version you read. That one also was mandatory and was basically done the exact same way as the sin offering to the point that people are not actually quite sure if they are different Uh, sacrifices or not. And same here. I, I truly don't know the difference. But anyway, moving forward, today we're talking more about the grain offering, the second offering we discussed, which was the Thanksgiving offering. So God is saying here that when a person brings a grain offering, first Either Aaron or his sons were supposed to burn some of it. And this is talking about a grain offering, I believe, that would not be cooked into anything because there are many types of ways you could bring a grain offering to God. First was, you know, just bringing a bunch of flour and moistening it with oil and also moistening it with a little bit of frankincense so you could bring God the flour in that way or you could bake it up. And that didn't require frankincense, that just required I believe a little bit of oil and you just uh, throw it in the pan and you make a nice fried pancake. (laughs) And then you could bring that and that could be offered to God in that form as well. And I believe it also could be baked into like crackers and stuff. So there was many different ways a person could bring the grain offering. So now God is going more specifically into just the plain grain offering, not baked into anything, the flour that people would bring. And so it says that when a person brings a grain offering, that the sons of Aaron shall offer it before Yahweh before the altar. So one of the sons of Aaron was supposed to grab a handful of this flour, put it on the altar and then burn it with fire. One thing my sister and I talked about the other day was the significance of the fire never going out on the altar, and what fire really symbolizes. And it's just so fascinating. When I went into that, I was like shocked by how much fire references there there is in the Bible, and how that basically uh, translates into God's spirit. So if you're curious about that, go and go and listen to that episode. But anyway. So the fire was supposed to burn up some of this grain offering. And one thing I talked about, um, before was what's the point of burning the grain? And it was just a show of that portion belonged to God. That portion was not going to get eaten. That portion was fully God's. So God and God's fire, which was on the altar, that was literally God's fire, ended up burning through that grain offering and the rest of it could be eaten by Aaron and his sons. And so it says that at this point, when the grain offering that was portioned to God was burned up, the rest of it could be eaten. And it says that um, when the priests go to bake it, it cannot contain any yeast because we've learned about yeast in the past and the representation of yeast And yeast was something that spread throughout the entire thing of dough, right? So I I don't know if you guys like to bake bread or anything like that, but you put yeast in it. Even pizza dough and stuff like that, you put yeast in because it makes the dough rise. And that's how you get the nice fluffy crusts on uh, on your pizza dough. So yeah, yeast causes stuff to rise. But it's also a symbolism of sin that just a tiny little bit of sin will basically corrupt the entire thing, because that's all you need for dough. All you need is a tiny little pinch of yeast to corrupt the entire batch. So that is why God commands the grain offering to be eaten without yeast. And he says specifically why. He says, because the grain offering is most holy. So that yeast can't be inside of the grain offering because the yeast is a symbolism of sin. And if the grain offering is super holy then yeast can't be inside of it, and so the priest would have to just eat the crackers and stuff like that. But here's the thing, though. It wasn't like God hated yeast. (laughs) You know, there there was an offering you could bring of just yeast, and when people did bring yeast as an offering, it just wouldn't be burned on the altar. That was the one thing that wouldn't be burned. And we'll see later on that there are some bread, um, sacrifices, I suppose, or offerings that people could bring that did contain yeast in them. So yeah, people could bring yeast. People could offer yeast as a Thanksgiving, uh, item, I suppose to God, but if they did, it could not be burned on the altar basically. But yeah, I mean, yeast is just a representation of sin. So God often associates yeast as sin, so uh holiness and sin cannot be one and the same, which is why he says, leave the yeast out for uh this very holy offering, which is the grain offering. So moving forward, it says here in verses 19 through 23 that now the priests have to do a grain offering every single day, twice a day. And I thought this was kind of cool because when I first read it, I sort of glossed over it and I didn't quite understand, I think, what God was trying to say here. But he's requiring his priests to make a daily offering twice a day. And I really like that because this just shows more of how God treats everyone so equally, you know, because we often think like, oh, God, liked his priests better. God likes the Jewish people better. I mean, we hear all sorts of stuff, right? So, (laughs) but as I'm reading through the old Testament, I am learning so much how fair God is in every single aspect. He is not at all favoring one group of people over the next group of people. And this is evident right here with the priests, The priests still have to bring a grain offering and they have to do it every single day. And I don't know if the priests had to make it, but it almost seems like they do. Because uh, it says that the grain offering that the priests bring twice a day has to be made with oil in a griddle. And when it is soaked, you shall bring it in and you shall offer the meal offering in baked pieces for a pleasant aroma to Yahweh. So the fact that God is using the word you, it almost seems like the priests do have to bake it, though I truly doubt that the priests actually did bake it themselves. (laughs) But I don't know. I mean, that's something that I truly don't have enough insight in to really comment on whether the priests themselves had to bake it or not. But from what I'm reading here, it almost seems like God is talking to the priest directly And uh, the priests are baking this sacrifice themselves. So I I don't I don't really know. But anyway, it says that the priests were supposed to offer this grain offering twice a day, morning and then evening. And it was going to be a pleasant aroma. But this particular grain offering, the priests could never eat. This belonged completely to God. This was something that the priests would bake and would give fully to God. And this would be a pleasant aroma to God. We talked about the pleasant aroma and what that means. You know, the pleasant aroma, it fills the senses, right? When we think of like a pleasant aroma, personally, for me, I think of cookies, cookies, Baking in the oven. (laughs) So when I enter into a house and it smells just so good, that to me is just such a comforting scent. You know, it's just, it's so nice. I, I also think of clean, fresh sheets. You know how you just make your bed and the sheets came out of the dryer and they're nice and warm and they're nice and like they have a good smell. That is what I think of when I when I think of pleasant aroma. But you know, it's not necessarily the aroma of this burning piece of bread on the altar that God is enjoying the scent of. It's actually the heart of where that person is, you know, where that priest's heart is. That is what uh, God appreciates. That's what God enjoys. And so this priest bringing this offering to Yahweh Twice a day would be like a heartfelt thing that this priest was doing, and uh, God would appreciate that. It would be a pleasant aroma to God. But the one thing I really want to focus in on right here is the fact that the priest had to break the bread before they offered it to God. And that is a direct correlation to Passover dinner many, many thousands of years later. When Jesus came to earth, broke the bread and said that this is my body, which is broken for you. And Jesus, of course, we know from uh, the New Testament is considered and called the bread of life. And so when Jesus broke that bread at the Last Supper, he was signifying that um, his body was broken and crushed and beaten for us, basically. And we see here in the Old Testament that the priests are doing the exact same thing. Now, did the priests have any idea that this was signif- uh, signifying Jesus? No, of course not. I mean, Jesus had not come to earth yet. They, did- The priests probably had no clue what they were doing and why they were doing it. But this all had significance. And you and I today are so, so lucky because we can look at the Old Testament and see the connection. We can see the fulfillment of the prophecies between back then and nowadays, and when Jesus came, we see the fulfillment. And so we're kind of lucky in that way that we can go back and look at all this stuff and and be like, wow, the the broken bread here in verse 22 or verse 21, I mean, is symbolizing Jesus at the Last Supper, you know, breaking the bread and also Jesus himself when he was, um, you know, broken for us. Well, everybody, this was Leviticus 6, 14 through 23. I hope you guys just enjoyed the huge amount of symbolism in this passage and just um, how interesting the grain offering is in particular. And, you know, I I think I've mentioned this before, but one thing that I found so interesting about Leviticus was I didn't realize how many different kinds of offerings there were. I kind of just glazed over the offerings part when I've read Leviticus before but it is interesting going back and like researching each individual offering and uh, how unique they all are but yeah friends and faithful listeners I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and if you did rate it five stars share on your social media platforms and you know uh, you can now rate the podcast on Spotify For those of you who listen on Spotify, at least I believe you can. And, uh, you know, rate it on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you might be able to rate it. All right, guys, well, I've got nothing else to say today, so I'm just going to leave you all with a happy listening and God bless.